0: Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean Jacques Taylor, were two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 367, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled.
1: If not entertained, people.
0: Oh, we got a lot to get into. Obviously, you missed our last episode. No, you didn't, because there wasn't one. We took off on Easter. We normally record on Sundays, but since it was a holiday weekend, we decided to... Take that day for ourselves, our family, our friends. Hope you guys had a great Easter weekend. But back at it now, of course, as we move in, it's crazy because coming up on Thursday, we will be two weeks away from the NFL draft. It's already upon us. A lot to get into. The Mavs season is completely over. It has crashed and burned and the bodies are trying to escape the wreckage while they're lit on fire. And then Luke is just standing there cackling to himself. Can't wait to get the hell out of here. A lot to get into. <laughs> but we can't do any of that. It, it, and it's unfortunate for the Mavs because they're a basketball team. So they, they can't call greening law, but it feels like they've gone through an accident in which it was somebody <laughs> else's fault and they need help. I mean, it really does. It, it, it like, I'm sure Luca feels that way. If I didn't do anything wrong, I'm out here putting up MVP level numbers and out of the blue, somebody sideswiped me and my season's gone, but he, he can't call greening law, but you can And you can see, or I guess he could because the consultation's free. I don't know if he has a case or not. I don't think he does. But you can call Greening Law and find out. And if you've been hurt in a car accident, really, if you've been hurt and it was somebody else's fault in the premises of a business, situations in which insurance companies have to get involved and you've got these piling up medical bills and you don't know what to do, honestly, your first call needs to be to Greening Law because, again, the consultation's free and you can find out whether you've got a case or not.
1: Yeah, because Matt will tell you from the time that he's worked with him that uh, what Greening Law does is walk you through the process. It can be a long process, tedious process, intimidating process, maybe even a little scary. But Greening Law, Robert Greening and his green team, they walk you through step by step telling you stuff that you didn't even know you were supposed to know, questions you didn't even know you were supposed to ask. They've already got the answers to. And uh, the thing about it, man, is – They provide a little comfort so you don't have to worry you can worry only about can i get better can i get back to feeling like my old self they'll set up doctor's appointments they do all that stuff and so what you need to do if you're involved in any situation away from the crib where you get hurt just pick up the phone give them a call 972-934-8900 say hey here's my situation what do you think and then as we like to tell you if they bring you on as a client take a deep breath and say thank you jesus help is on the way
0: that's exactly exactly how to do it makes it easy to do so pick up the phone as you say give them a call 972-934-8900 it's robert greening call them now offices dallas texas so the cowboys and again coming up on thursday they'll be exactly two weeks away from the first round of the nfl draft and i i, I thought this was interesting if you, if you're forced to pigeonhole it And I thought about this because I was reading an article. It was either last night or this morning that David Moore and Calvin Watkins did over there in the morning news. And I'm assuming that it was probably one of those things where they were like, look, if you had to pick a position in the draft, which one would you say the Cowboys should go after in the first round? Now, you know, even David Moore pointed it out in one of his answers that they've done a really good job. And this is true. Yeah, they have some needs. But they have multiple needs, and, and it's not necessarily one of those things of, oh, we absolutely have to come away with the wide receiver in the first round. Well, they went out and got Brandon Cooks. We absolutely right. need a defensive back. Well, they went out and got Gilmore. They re-signed Donovan Wilson. So they've done some things that have really kind of made it easy on themselves to truly, unless there's a transcendent player a la the CD Lamb that just kind of falls, and I'm talking about Bijan Robinson here like we did in our mock last week. Maybe you try and make a move up to get a guy like that. But if, if you're forced to say, okay, you have to identify the one position of need that you think the Cowboys should draft, even though they've put themselves where they can draft anybody, is there a position you think the Cowboys need more than something else right now?
1: Um, it's probably be the weird answer, but I'm going to say um, wide receiver. Interesting. And people will say, I said it probably yeah. people think it'd be the weird answer. But here's the deal. Yeah, you got Brandon Cooks. Uh, obviously, you got CeeDee Lamb. Um, you got Michael Gallup. That's still three, okay? I don't, I, I don't count Jalen Tobert because he didn't do anything last year. I'm not assuming that he's doing anything this year. So, to me, you're still in that situation. Somebody get hurt, what happens? CeeDee Lamb gets hurt. You got Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, and who? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, what if Michael Gallup is just a guy? Yeah. What if... You know and so what i'm saying is you can get out of his contract after next year so you take a guy number one michael gallup has an average year doesn't appear to be the guy you thought he was when you signed him to that deal then you just go out with him in with the new guy who's on this uh, five-year deal and uh hopefully as a playmaker you use you know you have him and uh cooks and the new guy and you roll like that Um, so i think the way they are at receiver they're still very susceptible to injury. And uh, taking a wide receiver in the first round, um, you know, especially there, there should be one you can get that you like. Uh, to me, would be a uh, would be a good pick.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because when you look at the visits that the Cowboys have had, three of the names that they have brought in that we know about are Zay Flowers, Jalen Hyatt, and Quentin Johnston. All three of those guys will be gone by the time they pick in the second round. Yeah. And, and um, so it leads you to believe that they are at least considering it, and understand that there is a need for wide receiver, and that there are certain targets that, if they were available at twenty six, would make sense for them.
1: Right, because it, I mean, it just again, it gives you flexibility for this year, and then next year you can decide what you want to do in the offseason whether you whether you want to keep all four, whether it's time for uh, a to go, or uh, you know you make a move with whatever. You just have options and ability, and the key it's about getting playmakers. It's hmm. about having a team with depth. It's about being able to withstand injury. And um, as long as you get a guy who's ready to play, who's ready to contribute uh, in some way, shape or form, I'm, uh, I'm good with it.
0: Yeah, I think the same thing, because this is a draft class where the wide receivers and we've seen this in recent years. Wide receivers are going really early these days. I think, what was right. it, like five or six that went in the first round last year? There's probably going to be another five or six that'll go in at least the top 40 this year, which is obviously the first round and then a handful of picks into the second round. But the, the, the good guys are going to go early because this is a passing league and teams need wide receivers. It used to be you could sit here and say, like the Cowboys tried to do last year. Oh, we'll just get a Jalen Tolbert in the third round. Well, now you're starting to see there's a reason why a wide receiver like that is in the third round. And the guys that are making impacts are going a little bit earlier in the NFL draft now. When I think in years past, you used to find more impactful receivers on day two of the draft and maybe even the day three where you could get a third or a fourth round guy that could come in and make an impact immediately. But because of the development of the wide receiver early on through high school and on into college and the way that these guys are being used and the premium placed on passing in the NFL now... The best wide receivers are gone by the time you get to the third round.
1: Yeah, you, you occasionally go find a sleeper there like you find in any right. round. But, yeah, if you want somebody where you know they can come in and play, then, yeah, you need to go grab them while you can. And you're right. If, if, and, you know, ultimately, to me, the question will come down to whether the front office thinks a tight end or a wide receiver is a bigger deal. Um, you know, and so I can see why they would take a tight end. But again, tight ends are cool, but they're not necessarily difference makers. Uh, there's like three tight ends who are difference makers in the league, man. Maybe four. But um, wide receiver, guy who can take the top off, guy who can add some speed, guy who can get some explosion to the offense, some big plays. Yeah, I'd ride with that. Now, what was your, uh, what was your spot?
0: I was, I was actually going to say tight end. All right. And I, I think it's interesting because, and, and we've talked about this who knows how many times, so I'm sure all of you are aware, but if you've forgotten, David LaFleur is the last Cowboys tight end drafted in the first round back in, what was that, 97. We know that they don't go tight end early, but this is a draft where I think you can, like like Michael Mayer and Kincaid are both kind of viewed as these high level, at least potential tight ends. And And again, we're not talking about taking Kyle Pitts with like the fourth overall pick or something here. We're talking about you can get a legitimate tight end that can do some things for you that they really haven't had since Jason Witten was in his prime. And I, to me, cause I do agree with you. I do think that they need to target wide receiver early, but tight end is an interesting one for me because when you look around at, and Travis Kelsey is rare and George Kittle is rare. I understand that. But some of these even a Mark Andrews at Baltimore, but when you can put up wide receiver type production, and you can yeah. be a consistent target that is a threat to do a little something and stretch the field and score. The value, because, again, Travis Kelsey's making, what, like $13 million a year, $12 million a year? You're Am almost right? stealing another wide receiver, and you're getting him for $10 million less than you would if the receiver was putting up those numbers. Now, he's not going for 17 or 18 yards of reception, but he is still doing, what, 13? We've seen him break stuff. We've seen him become, and again, I know I'm talking about a future Hall of Famer here, but I think that there are certain tight ends you can look at that can really truly be, okay, we're in the red zone. I know this dude's going to get one for me.
1: Yeah, uh, but to, to me, there and you tell me what you think, they're really two different kind of players, man. I mean, if you're talking about Michael Meyer, who's more like your traditional tight end at yeah. 6'5", 265, blocker, runner. I mean, you know, blocker, receiver. This uh, Dalton Kincaid is like a receiver, though. Yeah. I mean, he's 6'3", 245. Um, you know, but if you look at his numbers, he he puts them up. Uh he's a big play guy, and so if we're talking about big play guy, then I'm really not opposed to him, man, cuz you're looking for difference makers. Um he averaged uh 15 yards a catch in his career at Utah. But here's what I liked, though. Let me see. How many touchdowns you think he scored at Utah?
0: I honestly don't know, but I can't recall them having a receiver that I'm aware of outside of him that was impactful. So, in two, I'm gonna say just in his final two years, I'm gonna go with 20 touchdowns.
1: Okay, that's a that's a quality guess because he was in school for a long time. Maybe he went on a mission or something. Dude, he scored 35 touchdowns as a tight end. Wow. Um, 11 as a freshman, eight as a sophomore, uh, missed a year basically, eight as a junior, eight as a senior, eight TDs a year. Um, that's pretty damn impressive, and so. You know, I might be more, I might be more tempted to take Dalton Kincaid and turn him into a weapon. Now, here's the tricky part, man. Here's the question: If you look at Mike McCarthy, name me all the great tight ends he had at Green Bay.
0: I, I mean, there's names that pop in your mind, but not nobody that anybody would consider great.
1: Yeah, like. You know, and so what I'm getting at is he's never, it seems to me, and, you know, y'all correct me if I'm wrong, it seems to me that he's not really been a dude per se that, you know, found a whole lot of use out of the tight end.
0: Yeah, I I think there's probably some truth to that because I was trying to think of some of the guys that had been there.
1: So the question becomes, are they going to – is he going to use a tight end enough to justify that dude's existence? That's, know, that to yeah. me
0: is the question. That is a good question because you go back to, I was thinking like Bubba Franks and Donald Lee who were right, around right. like, you know, during.
1: And that, Donald Lee wasn't bad in way back when.
0: Yeah. The early part of when he was there with that transition over to Aaron Rodgers, Jermichael Finley, who was, who never really did. You know he was always banged up and couldn't stay healthy. Right, Andrew Corliss, who was the dude who cost him a trip to the Super Bowl, and then the year, trying to look here. Yeah, that was the year when they lost to the Giants in the Wild Card round when they went fifteen and one. Trying to think, it was JerMichael Finley was their main guy, and he was he had fifty five for seven sixty seven and eight touchdowns.
1: Yes, that's a nice year. On a team, obviously,
0: with Jordy Nelson and and Greg Jennings and James Jones at receiver as well, and Donald Driver was still hanging around, right?
1: Um, you know, so I don't know. I'm just saying, I if I you know if 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 you got one of those two tight ends, I really wouldn't have an issue with it. Um, I think Jake Ferguson can be a, a good blocker, especially given his Wisconsin roots. And so I'm not. Uh, and if you want to run a lot of, you know. Tight end sets With Ferguson and and Kincaid I'm I'm down with that Um, But I like a guy who can get down the field I mean think about about what Blake Jarwin did in a very short period of time Yeah And until he got hurt We were like oh snap Blake Jarwin's like a weapon And so if you could have him running down the seams With CeeDee Lamb You know just make your offense that much more explosive And you'd have a playmaker
0: yeah, so, I, I mean, again, and we laid this out pretty much right in January after the season ended. Tight end, wide receiver, he, he, maybe a B. John Robinson if he somehow was feasible in the first round. If not, I'm totally fine getting a McBride or a Tank Bigsby or somebody like that. Zach Evans we'll later. Jamar
1: Gibbs in the first round?
0: No. Okay. Personally. And I say that because Jamar Gibbs... This is a dude, all we heard about at Alabama was how explosive he was, how much he was going to offer. This was all going through last spring. And then you get into the season, and granted, Alabama didn't have the greatest offensive line last year, but you really didn't see a lot of that from him. I think he had one or two that you were like, okay, damn. And he broke a run in the spring game last year, like, oh, my God, this dude's going to tear it up. And he came in and really never quite separated himself from just being one of the group of running backs that Alabama put on the field last year.
1: Okay fair enough fair enough
0: so to me i saw that and i was like i get it he he everything you hear everything you see with that guy he's obviously a very explosive player but in game situation i don't know i i, he, I didn't see anything from him at alabama that puts him on a level like a Bijan robinson
1: okay fair enough
0: so i'd rather wait on that guy I mean, hell A chain I saw more explosiveness from, you know, at at AM as a guy as a straight line runner anyway, which makes sense because he's a you know a a high level track guy, yeah. So I don't know, we'll see. It'll be interesting, but I think, you know, point being with you and I, get a playmaker.
1: Dude, they don't have they still don't have enough. They got Tony Pollard, they got CeeDee Lamb. That's it. Oh, they got Brandon Cooks. That's it. You gotta have some more. You gotta this is a game of attrition. You gotta be able to withstand injuries. Uh, They got to have them. And then, you know, you just don't need a bigger back who's a workman. You need a bigger back who can play, who can get you some big plays there. So they still got a lot of work to do to meet, but uh, they're well on their way. I mean, they've had a really good offseason. They just need to keep it
0: going. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Cowboys, it's always intriguing. It's also always intriguing when you drop your car off over there at Freeway Tire Shop. And I say that because... You're going to be blown away by the level of customer service, the quality of the work. I mean, imagine that a mechanic who actually stands behind his work where you can bring it back and be like, hey, JR, I don't know what it is, man, but it's still making that noise. And he's going to like, oh, it is. Okay, well, let's see what we can do for you. That's the level that you can expect, whether it's a mechanical issue, whether you need new tires. Maybe you need some brakes. Whatever the case may be, if it involves your car, you're getting a fair price, and you can trust the work that JR and his crew are doing over there at Freeway Tire Shop.
1: Dude, Jr. is the best, man. That's because they're consistent. And so I, I tell people all the time, you know, you, you want a mechanic you can trust because there's nothing worse than an unreliable ride. It's just not. So you want your mechanic to be able, you want them to be able to trust them to diagnose what the hell's wrong with the car. And then you want somebody who can... You trust to use quality parts to fix your car so that you're not right back doing the same thing then you want somebody you can trust to here's what it really costs yeah there's some labor involved but you know here's a fair price and then man you want somebody you can trust to stand behind the workers you were talking about and so if you find somebody like that and jr is a guy then you you want to take your car there because you can rely on all those things and so if your mechanic ain't doing all of those not two out of four not three out of four all four of those things you just need to hop in your car, go up 35 north toward Denton, get off of Commonwealth, go through the light, look to the right. There he is, about five minutes from downtown Dallas. Uh, But it's the spot, man. JR is fantastic.
0: Makes it easy for you. It's Freeway Tire Shop. Check them out. And you can find them out online, too, where you can schedule an appointment, request a quote, look into them a little bit, if you so choose, at FreewayTireShop.com. Also, of course, another thing, if you're a homeowner, we all know you got at some point, if you are a homeowner in North Texas, you will make a call to a foundation company at some point you will because of the wonky foundation in the North Texas area, the extreme weather of crazy drought and heat, and then torrential downpours that just come out of the blue that all messes up with your foundation. That's why you need HFX foundation solutions at some point. they're going to need to have a call from you. Now they'll come out. It's a free, no obligation inspection. So if you're, if you're noticing cracks, sticking doors, all those types of signs, and you're concerned, the best thing you can do before you let it get too bad, just give them a call. Aaron and his guys, they're local, they're family-owned, they service the entire Dallas-Fort Worth area. Just give them a call and have them come out for that free no-obligation inspection. If nothing else, for peace of mind, but especially if you actually do have a problem, let them catch it as early as possible.
1: Nah, man. Uh, HFX, let Aaron and his team come over and give you what we lovingly call the colonoscopy before you crib. And, and you know here's what we're talking about you get a colonoscopy why check inside all stuff that you can't see for yourself make sure everything's working because you can't see well you want aaron and his team to come over there and get all inside your houses cracks and crevices check it all out and make sure that everything is good because you don't want some stuff going on that you can't see to create a problem yeah we know there's some symptoms cracks sticky doors sticky windows all of that but what you want is somebody to really give it a once over that's what aaron and his team can do so like I said, pick up the phone, give them a call, 817-770-0174. Tell them you need a colonoscopy for the crib. They'll laugh a little bit, <laughs> and then they'll hook, set you up and hook you up.
0: They will. That's how it is, man. 817-770-0174. Check them out online at hfxfoundation.com. So a quick trip around the block here and a couple of things. One of them, you sent me this. Multiple of my friends were talking about this. I think everybody in the world was like, what the hell is this? The Dalai Lama. Dude! The Dalai Lama is a title. I him out at the
1: gym this morning. It's
0: very, very but interesting. Very, very bizarre. But go ahead. So the Dalai Lama is actually a title that is given by the Tibetan people to what they call their foremost spiritual leader of Tibetan Buddhism so that everybody is aware. It's not somebody's name. There's been, I think this is the 14th Dalai Lama of all time. It's kind of like the Pope, I think. Yes, for that religion, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. The 87-year-old Dalai Lama, apparently a video emerged. I saw it. Where the Dalai Lama kissed a young boy on the lips and then asked the young boy to suck my tongue. Okay, here's what did you see the video? I did not see the video, but I've read about a couple of things because I'm just like, what what are we doing, man? Because here's you have to if you see the video, what happens is It's like a
1: six six six-year-old maybe a seven-year-old no no older than that probably comes up and i've seen this at my church you know comes up and gives the pastor a hug and then he turns around and leaves well the dalai lama is 87 years old he's sitting down so little boy comes up and gives him a hug all right that's cool and then the dalai lama kind of looks at him and points to his cheek and he gives him a kiss on the cheek then he points at him again And he kisses him on the lips. And he lingers for just a second. And I was like, this is weird, but it's just weird, but okay. And then, dude, he leans forward and sticks the tip of his tongue out. And you can see he's kind of, you know, motioning. I'm like, what are you doing? Um, And at that point, man, I'm like, that Dalai Lama, we need to go on to the next Dalai Lama because this is just me based on nothing but observing this video man that dude has done this a thousand times to people uh not in a public setting and you know to me man he's probably just a predator a uh child molester and um you know because that's 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 kind of how they act
0: yeah i just it i
1: there was nothing you know there was nothing that said religious when he was when he stuck his tongue out and was doing this i mean there's nothing that said like oh this is part of my religious act this is you know what it said to me is, oh i forgot all these people were around i mean I what are you doing man and I, then I, they're <laughs> saying today it was some kind of joke or he's he kids a lot yeah nah, it, nah, like nah, his nah, nah, bro.
0: his office released a statement on monday that said his holiness often teases people he meets in an innocent and playful way even in public and before cameras. Nah. Nah. This is not innocent or playful. You know what? I got to be honest with you. I, I, I like playing with my kid. We have a lot of fun together. <laughs> we wrestle. We do all kinds of crazy fun things that are playful and have always done that his entire life since he was a little kid. Never once have I said, hey, suck my tongue. Bro. Because I'm Bro. not a creepy asshole. child molesting weirdo like the dalai lama apparently is
1: nobody says suck my tongue without wanting you to literally suck there you know
0: who you say that to you say that to your lovers yes when you're naked and you're doing love naked things right or you're trying to get there (laughs) i mean my god man now
1: matter of fact let's think about this i have never said that to anybody that I wasn't in an intimate relationship with. You're, why? Because
0: why would you? That's what I'm saying. Excuse me. Uh, yes, I'd like, uh, do you mind if I get a, just a black coffee, little almond milk? Hey, suck my tongue. You go yeah, to prison. Dude.
1: dude, how about this? How about this, bro? If you say that to somebody at
0: work, you just got fired. Yeah. They go to HR and you, you no longer are employed. Right. No, for real. That's how it works and so
1: i'm uh, i'm really disappointed and it's not because um i mean i'm just disappointed because you hear about all this stuff in the catholic church and you know it goes on now you see this and you i'm telling you he just forgot that the cameras were on he was so excited to see that little kid he forgot that the cameras were on and he was thinking about all you know it's just, man it's just it really sickened me because i feel in my heart like he's done that to so many little kids over the years or however long he's been the Dalai Lama, or however long he's been in a position of power where he just kind of made it seem like, oh, it's it's nothing. And, you know, if you're into, you know, you can be so caught up in, oh, the Dalai Lama's paying attention to my child. Oh, wow, my child's getting a blessing. That you can turn a blind eye to that mess, man.
0: Yeah, and that's that's the thing where... You know, they they pointed out because apparently sticking out your tongue is seen as a sign of respect in and is a traditional Tibetan greeting, but nowhere along that is sucking the tongue a part of any of that.
1: Well, see, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, you stick your tongue out if that's part of your deal. But suck my tongue. Nah, that's not part of the deal.
0: I mean, it's one of the creepiest things I've ever heard. I mean, this dude's 87 years old. Hey, man um and now apparently he has apologized he expresses apologies to his many friends across the world for the hurt his words may have caused he regrets the incident ain't no may have caused dog he's like ah damn. there's cameras around oh that sucks
1: yeah that's what happened you forgot you forget that the cameras were around and so uh it
0: just it's just wild suck my tongue unbelievable man bro yeah so they should remove this guy now today and find another not 87 year old weird asshole to be the Dalai Lama I mean think about that think about in any other incident anywhere many of you listening have kids anywhere if a grown ass man walked up to your little boy and said suck my tongue and stuck it out at him (laughs) <laughs> what you would do
1: beat his ass
0: because Arnold now, Schwarzenegger would probably say you can suck on my fist and <laughs> ram it down his throat <laughs> all
1: right I'm God, gonna tell you a dude. funny story now
0: I hope so because that we need to move from gross creepy right, ass now, to fun
1: now I'm, I'm gonna tell y'all beforehand don't tweet me don't email me about some negligence because that ain't how this went down but it's a funny story and this I had a similar story happen to me when I was a kid. So these things happen from time to time. So my daughter manages an apartment complex. She was doing a uh, somebody who was moving into the complex a favor by letting them move in after hours, like the office closed at you know, five o'clock or whatever, and they couldn't get in. So she's like, OK, I'll stay late and let you move in. Blah blah blah. It's my benevolent offering for today. So while she, so the people show up, <clears throat> and her son is sleeping in the uh, in the you know office. So in the leasing office, my grandson, who's eight years old. So he's got a cell phone. She puts the cell phone on his chest. Why? Because she's going to. Open the door for these people. She'll be back in five or ten minutes. If you wake up, you'll see the phone. I'm not here. Just call me. No big deal. Mm-hmm. So she comes back ten minutes later. He's not there. Now you look around. Maybe he's playing hide and seek. You know he's he's that kind of kid. Nope, not there. She gets a call two or three minutes later, right as she's about to start panicking. It's the police. Hey. Uh, do you have a son? Yeah, his name is Eland. Oh, we've got him. No big deal. Uh, come up and get him. He's at the police station. So she's trying to figure out how is he get at the police station. So check this out, Duh. This dude wakes up. The phone is on his chest. He takes it off his chest and puts it down. He goes to his mother's office. And looks for her and can't find her. And he decides that oh, she must have forgot me. Hmm. I'm going to hitchhike home.
0: Whoa. Whoa.
1: <laughs> now he's crying because he, he's mad because she forgot him. So he walks out, department complex, heads to the main street, and starts walking home. At eight years old. No shoes on, left his shoes there police pull up and say well we see this kid walking with no shoes he's crying we stop he sees the police station the police car pull up what does he do when he sees the police cars start to pull up next to him run no no he,
0: he sticks his thumb out as though he needs a ride smart <laughs> i mean if he's gonna hitchhike home you're, you're better Dude. off doing it with the police officer
1: who knows this who what eight year old knows to stick his thumb out for a ride? That ain't something people do these days amazing, so he gets in the car and they're talking to him. He's like, "Oh, my mom's name is this. Here's her phone number. our address is this and and the police officers go, "Okay, so you're not like some c p s situation. We're not sure what you're doing out here, but you seem to be fine, yeah and so um uh so they call her. And he's like hey don't worry don't worry don't worry uh he gave us all your information so you know this it's it's just one of those weird things that happens come pick him up so she pulls down goes to the precinct picks him up he says hey i got a police badge look at this i'm cool now <laughs> wow <laughs> and he thinks this is like the greatest thing that ever happened and and they're continuing to tell her like hey he had everything every piece of information about you except your birthday so, uh, you know, there's there's no negligence here. There's no child endangerment. Yeah. It's just kids being kids. Uh, and she's like, what are you doing? And that's when he told her like, yeah, I thought you forgot me, so I just figured I needed to hitchhike home. And she's like, you didn't see your phone there? He's like, oh, you know, I didn't think to use it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but dude the way she was telling that story Sunday I mean we were rolling right? I mean Look, I mean the fact that he's got his thumb out amazing and uh, you know now he's the toast of the precinct now because he's one of those very gregarious kids yeah so you know they made him uh, uh, what do you call it police uh, captain for the day and all this other stuff
0: that's awesome
1: uh, yeah it was funny once it was over yeah it's, I'm, it's funny once it's over <laughs> yeah so I was like now you know you can't leave his ass even for five minutes uh, because uh, he's too grown
0: I did that once when I was in 6th grade so which my my son is now in 6th grade so I guess he's 12 so I was probably I was either 11 or 12 and I Uh, my mom dropped me off at swim practice and I went inside and realized that I had forgotten my swimsuit my you know to swim in And for whatever reason, instead of just telling the swim coach or anyone there that I had forgotten, (laughs) I was afraid I would get in trouble. And this is when we lived in Richardson. And my swim practice was over by where, for those of you that are familiar with Richardson, it it was over there by Berkner High School. And for one year of my life, we lived in Richardson. And this is what's nuts about that. So (laughs) I'm over there by Berkner. And if you are, again, if you're familiar with the area, I can figure out about how far I walked because I walked not quite trying to see where we lived. I think I walked down, must have been Beltline. I'm trying to remember. And we, so we lived at least a couple of miles away, maybe even more than that. Right. Right. And for, I, I don't know what I, to this day, I don't know what struck me to think that this would be the, the way to handle this.
1: <laughs> it's just 12, 12, no, I, I remember 12 now, real brain.
0: It wasn't Jupiter, I walked down Plano Road. So I walked from Berkner down Plano Road, past Huffines Park, all the way to where we lived, which was over by Yale Elementary School. <laughs> and I'll never forget this and I know my mom and dad will never forget this and my mom right now is probably rolling her eyes listening to this but the crazy thing was see now I mean in the grand scheme of things as an adult it's not that far it was two and a half miles from maybe 2.7 miles from where we lived damn but as an 11 year old and again this was during the winter walking in the dark and my mom just dropped me off and I was like oh I'll just walk home so I get home right when my mom is I mean she is minutes away from walking out the back door to to come and pick me up from swim practice and my mom and dad both look at me and go what are you doing here and I was just like oh I walked home they're like you did what and I was like yeah I forgot my swim trunks or my you know my bathing my speedo whatever you want to call it my racing swimsuit for practice and so the coach told me as punishment I should just walk home (laughs)
1: they didn't mean literally bro
0: oh they didn't say that the coach didn't actually say that because i never talked to them (laughs) so you might imagine how pissed off my parents were that the swim coach instructed an 11 year old to walk two and a half miles in the dark through richardson off of a very busy plano road and so they were livid and i mean this is when i learned him
1: up and cuss him out
0: oh this is when i learned don't lie to my dad because I mean, my dad, oh yeah, my dad called the, the city and it got to a point where the person was going to lose their job. And my dad comes to me, is like, this is where I need you to tell me the truth. Because something about your story is not sounding right. And Are you, tell me right now, are you lying to me? Because somebody's about to lose their job. And I did. I, I said, okay, I, I lied. I was afraid. And that man said, oh, okay. Oh, he was... Again, I don't okay. need to go into any of the details, but that was the night I learned don't lie to my dad.
1: Oh, that was a real ass-kicking?
0: Oh, it was impressive. It was impressive. <laughs> it was impressive.
1: <laughs> well, mine, mine wasn't that bad. I had chicken pox. I was about five or six. Had chicken pox, and uh, uh, it was, it was, we were living in Buffalo, and it was storming. And my mother hadn't got back in whatever time She said she was coming back And I was like oh she must be hurt She must be lost And so I just went out the house Started walking down the street looking for her And um, she pulls up And I'm thinking oh there you are And I uh, I didn't get the warm greeting I expected (laughs) (laughs) I got the What the hell are you doing out here I told you not to leave the house Oh dude
0: I got all kind of ass kicking for that
1: And I was like I was just trying to save you. You were lost.
0: Yeah. You know, I I think at some point, all little kids, you have that moment where you think, okay, I I can do this. I mean, I was was pretty impressed with myself that I knew how to get home and that I was able to get there before my mom left.
1: Yes, I'm impressed.
0: As I just walked down the side of Plano Road and Richardson carrying my (laughs) giant-ass swim bag. (laughs) I mean... You know, it's, I don't know. Dude. You live and learn. Do. You live and learn. That's what kids do, man. It'd be funny. That is what kids do. So, the other thing I wanted to throw out here is a, a, a TV show that I have come across that I had heard about. And then my brother Mark told me that it's one of the best single season shows he's ever seen. And he cried at the end. I was like, what? Okay.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: This is on Amazon Prime. It's called Daisy Jones and the Six. And it, it's a fictional show based on a fictional band. And it's based on a book that came out a couple of years ago. And man, the first few episodes, it's really interesting the way they did this. Now, I had read that the book was loosely based on Fleetwood Mac. Right. In the rumors album that they came out with in 1977. So I'm not ruining anything here by telling you this because you literally learned this within the first five seconds of watching the TV show it tells you that Daisy Jones and the six was one of the biggest bands in the world. And then in October of 1977, they played soldier field in Chicago. And that was the last time anybody saw them. Here's what happened. Oh, and it goes and it, it, it it shows the members of the band 20 years later. So like in 1997 and they're doing a documentary and then they go back and tell the story of the band. And it go, I mean, I'm talking all the way from the beginning of when they were a band in a garage and how they struggled and went through different things and, and figured out how this would to. It, it shows the journey to becoming one of the world's biggest bands of all time. Right. Like we're about I think we've finished four episodes and they just now are starting to, to become a band that anybody has even ever heard of. I mean it's it shows all the relationships the band I mean it's it's seen and I, it's fictitious again this band doesn't actually exist but man it seems like a very realistic look of how it probably happened for some of those bands back in the 70s
1: I wonder if they based it off of somebody
0: Well again apparently the book was based on Fleetwood Mac
1: Oh Fleetwood Mac
0: Yeah but I don't know how and Fleetwood Mac had some inner band relationships and all that type of stuff and You know, had some disagreements and and got heavy into drugs in the 70s. So, but they're still around. So I don't know.
1: Yeah. All right. That sounds good. So it's Amazon Prime. Daisy Jones in the six.
0: Yeah. It's it's interesting. It's it's a it's a very, you know, just I, I mean, some of it is just absolute pure luck. You know, which, of course, would be real. I mean, it's why do some bands make it and some don't? Sometimes you need a stroke of, holy hell, we ran into this guy at the right time, at the right place, and it worked.
1: Uh, Absolutely.
0: And there's some of that in there, so. Uh, uh,
1: Speaking of TV, you know, man, it's, um, I hope this moment would come, but you can't, these moments have to be organic. You can't force them. And uh, you'll be experiencing this with Maddox uh, at, at some point, but- My dude has my dude's a freshman in college now for some of y'all who've been following him for a long time. You're like, oh, shit, really? Is that old? Yeah, he's that old. He's a grown ass man these days. But uh, he was telling me something. Oh, he was at my house. He says, oh, you got stars. And so he did what he did, what any kid would do, which is what, Matt?
0: Put it on stars? No.
1: Send me your password, Dad.
0: Oh okay, Yeah, I guess you would need that first. Yes.
1: Yeah. He says I want to watch BMF. I said, oh, you like that? He said, yeah, I saw it a little bit. And then for whatever reason, he whoever's password he was using,
0: they didn't work anymore.
1: It was a gangster show. It's about it's about black folk running drugs in the late 80s. I think Uh, BMF, look them up. They're notorious uh, gangsters. So I said, you like that? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we started doing what, man? Going back and forth about series he's been watching uh and so then he told me he said yeah what i've been watching lately is uh narcos and he said it's pretty good i'm on season three i think i said really i said what you like about it he said oh they kill anybody anybody's anybody's game and it's the mexican cartel so they're so ruthless you just never know where it's coming from yep he goes it's a good show i said all right so i started watching narcos and it's a good show
0: it is a good show, very good show. I've seen it.
1: The only thing I don't like about it, and this is this is not even a complaint. It's just what it is. Y'all know how I like to watch shows. I like to multitask while I'm watching shows. Well, it's hard to multitask when half of it's is Spanish, and you need to watch the, you need to pay attention to see what they're saying. Uh, but other than that, man, no, it's uh, I've been I've been pleased with the first three or four episodes I've seen.
0: I mean, Narcos follows along pretty realistically, I and mean, there's a lot dude. of fact-based in it about the rise of the Colombian drug trade and Pablo Escobar and all that from in the 80s and, and how they kind of took him down and all that.
1: Yeah, because, you know, they're using real documentary yeah. footage and stuff for something. So, no, nah, it was it was good. But I love the fact, because then I, you know, like I said, we ended up talking about TV shows for probably about 20 minutes, because I was like, you see in Ozark? He's like, yeah, 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 that was a good show. And then he turned me on to a couple others that I hadn't seen that I might want to peep. And so, what I'm saying is, you know, the thing for me as a parent was when he was a little kid, we had what we do. What we do, we go to we go watch the movies together. We go to a few sporting events together, and uh, you know, we did our thing. Then he got to be a teenager, and it was like, well, I'm not really sure how we hang out anymore. Well, we watch, we work out a little bit. And we watch Ohio State football. Okay, that's how we hang. Yeah. But now he's in college, and so now he doesn't live at home. So it's how do you hang? How do you connect? How do you stay in touch? So that you still feel like you got. It's a different relationship because he's not a kid anymore. He's more yeah, like a sense. man. So yeah. what kind of things can we do as men that are fun that keep us connected? Uh, so that you got that father and son thing, and so I think you know, kind of discussing the shows and. His entrepreneurial business is uh, going good. It's going so good. Guess who hired him? Who? Smokey Johns. Smokey Johns is going to. That's awesome. And they didn't hire him because he was my son. We were talking. We were talking about him. And I said, well, you know, he's got this business. They said, oh, we need uh, we need some work done. I said, I'll tell you what. I'll give him your number. And, um, you know, y'all see if it's a fit or not. Uh, so I gave him the number and Juan called, sent me a text a couple of days later said, man, your kid is on it. He sent us a text right away and set up a meeting and uh, we're supposed to talk next week. That's fantastic. And so when he does these things, I don't get involved. I, I really don't. And he'll call me and ask me, like, how should I approach a meeting or something like that? But I don't get involved because you either can do it and it's your deal or it's not. Um You know, because if it goes great, that's good. If it goes bad, I don't want to be in the middle of it. (laughs) But uh, so, no, they hired him to do a job. And uh, uh, he's in the midst of uh, getting everything together to do it. And I think they got one more meeting just to finalize it. But, yeah, uh, yeah, they gave it. And what they did was they gave him an opportunity. And so, you know, if he takes advantage of it, and does a good job. I'm sure there'll be more opportunities. And if he doesn't there won't be that'll be it he's, uh, he's <laughs> yeah. pretty conscientious about his work and so uh uh no so i thought it was a great opportunity so we talk about stuff like that but the fact that he likes he likes to watch shows means you know much like me and you talk you know you can talk a lot about these shows if you really sure. want to.
0: yeah you yeah. really can man especially these days they're all in-depth and they last for you know everything's 10 13 episode
1: right two or three four seasons and yeah. so you know it's a uh, It's a, it's a, I I was glad he does it. So now, you know, we talk about that. We shoot pool. Oh, guess what we talked about doing for this summer, man. We talked about joining a pool league. Really? Like like billiards. Yeah. Interesting. Because we like to Hmm. play. And I was like, here's something we could do together once a week during the summer while you're free. And, you know, just kind of connect that once a week for, you know, two or three hours. Interesting. You know, stay close. That would be cool to try. Yeah, because I'm not, you know, because I called the dude who runs it. I go, I'm a decent player. Like on a 1 to 10 scale, I would put myself at like a 5. Yeah. You know, I can make a few shots. I miss a lot of easy shots, but, you know, I like to play. I said, so how how do you do that in the league? He said, there's a handicap system, so, you know, it's a thing. So I didn't ask him any more about it, but I'm curious how a handicap would work in pool. I know how it works in golf, but I don't know how it would work in pool.
0: Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I've casually played. I've never tried to play competitively or against anybody who knows what the hell they're Uh, doing for the most part.
1: No, I've played a lot over the last year, uh, year and a half. I've gotten, like I said, when I started, I was probably more like a, probably like you. And now I'm, I'm, you know, now I'm trying to hit the cue ball on different sides to get different kind of spin and all that kind of stuff. But you know what the next step is, Matt?
0: Hmm. Getting your own stuff. There you go. Yep. That's what I figured. Getting
1: getting your own cue. And so uh, I think I'm going to do that at some point this
0: summer. I can understand that. When I was in college bowling all the time because I took a bowling class, me and a couple friends got our own bowling balls. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can see that.
0: Because you're using it uh, constantly and you you like it and you know it, it fits you because you're going to bowl three or four times a week.
1: Yeah. I like pool because I like the angles. Yeah. I I like trying to figure out the angles and how to hit the ball. And dude i've been playing like i said, for about the last year pretty consistently like a couple times a week minimum in general it's only in the last uh don't even laugh bro it's only in the last probably two months that i can actually get a legitimate break interesting And that that was a big deal for me because i could never hit the ball hard i was like yeah. i don't know how to i can hit it but i don't know how to hit it hard so i used to do a lot of finesse shots because i couldn't hit it hard And then a friend of mine goes, it's like boxing. You know, the hardest punch is a very short punch. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to draw it all the way back. You can actually, if you generate enough
0: velocity real short, it'll actually hit it pretty hard. Yeah, I usually have a solid break. I mean, I'm okay. I I just, I'm not anything that, I know how to play. I I can, generally speaking, do all right. Yeah, but I enjoy it. It's fun. That is cool smoky john's you bring them up and that's a good way you you know you can bond with anybody over a jam session bowl but it's fun because weather's turning nice i think we're all aware of that a lot of people starting to grill and you're getting around that well just in time for grilling season how about this for smoky john's they are featuring a new larger bottle of their barbecue sauce and so if you're a serious griller they've got a new larger bottle it's twice the size for only 7.95. You can you I mean it goes well on anything. The rub on on chicken's boneless breasts, wings, all that and of course ribs. And how about this? If you order the rub or sauce, the new larger bottle, mention you're a Jam Session listener and you'll get a Smokey John souvenir as well.
1: Hey, it doesn't really get any better than that, bro. That's exactly right
0: so you can you can grab that at the store if you swing by Smoky John's over there off Mockingbird when you're going to get your jam session bowl and you want to take home some sauce make sure you mention that and you'll get a Smoky John souvenir along with the new bigger bottle twice the size and it's only 7.95 that's a great deal
1: dude and the sauce is fantastic man it's it's absolutely delicious uh and when you drizzle it over that jam session bowl <laughs> now nah. We just got another text from somebody who had one the other day. What are you waiting for? Really? I don't really get it. Yeah. What are you waiting for? Ted is out. Within the next two weeks. I need y'all to go over there and try it out. Just try it out. And if you don't like it. Well, I don't know what's wrong with you. So it's a jam session bowl. You got to ask for it because it's not on the regular menu, bro. And here's what it is. I'm going to go through it real quick. But this is what you got to get. I'm telling you, it's delicious. And it's, not, it's for your cheat day, man. It's not for a day where you're trying to eat right. It's for your cheat day. But it's got a macaroni and cheese, a mashed potato base, and then your choice out of two out of five smoked meats. I usually rock with the brisket and the sausage, although you know, I have tried the chicken and the brisket, which was whoop, to die for or to live for, whatever your case may be. Then they add all the stuff you find on a loaded baked potato, like chives and sour cream and bacon bits, uh, you know, butter. It, it's fantastic. And then they drizzle it. It's super big bottle of sauce. That way you can have as much as you want. Yeah. Man, it is fantastic. It's enough for two. Easy. Easy, easy, easy. Enough for two. And if you got a little shorty, the three of y'all can eat off of it. Uh if it's two, you probably will still bring home some leftovers. So, but uh get your jam session bowl, try it out. Seriously, send us a picture and uh let us talk about you.
0: Make it happen. And, and speaking of pictures, I was just looking back. We got a couple this week in Justin Bobo who got his to go, took a picture of it at home. And then how about Charles Montgomery, who tweeted at us a jam session bowl all the way from Denison, and it was great. Yeah. Dude,
1: he came down there from Oklahoma to try it out. Those of you in town, I ain't trying to hear it. You got no excuse. Take your ass over there to Smoky John's to try it out.
0: There it is. Make it happen, Smoky John's Barbecue. So a couple other little notes before we wrap everything up here. The Dallas Mavericks season is over and done with, as we knew it would be. What was interesting about this is how the Mavs organization decided that they wanted to make sure they could hold on to their lottery pick and decided to basically try and lose on purpose the final two games to be eliminated from the playoffs because the Bulls weren't playing anybody last Friday and the Mavs pulled six of their main normal rotational guys only played Luca for the first quarter, then pulled him. And just fold it in and let the Bulls take the game. They had no interest in trying to win, which is ridiculous.
1: Um, That's, to me, man, that's a sad day in Mavericks history, bro. It is. And to me, this is just real talk, man. They ain't got their ass ripped enough. I mean, nobody has really taken a dagger to them the way they should. And for a couple reasons. I get the 10th pick in the draft. I get that. The goal, though is to win. The goal is to get into the playoffs and see what you can make happen. Understanding that you're probably not going to win the championship, but you never know. You can't you can't play if you don't get in. And so to have the playoffs available um, and then quit on the season, and that's what they did. They quit on the season to get a draft choice, and no guarantee comes from a draft choice. Yeah. To me, is just the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate height of embarrassment. Uh, But then the other thing on top of that, bro, is, you know, Mark Cuban did all his talking the day before because he knew he was going to do this. And then he sat down and let Jason Kidd answer all the questions for it. So you and Nico made this decision and then you let Kidd and Doncic answer all the questions. Now, you knew the NBA was going to find you anyway, so it don't matter if you talk about it. Um, Man, that, that to me is just the worst. Uh, I don't care what your logic is. I understand it all intellectually, but to be in a position to make the playoffs—not that I mean—all you could do is, uh, is is do what you can do. You know, maybe you weren't going to get in, but you play to get into the playoffs, man. You don't play have a chance to get in and then quit on the season. That to I mean, dude. <laughs> That sends entirely the wrong message as a culture, as a team, as a franchise. And uh, I don't even know, Luca probably looked at you like, fuck wrong with y'all, man.
0: I would hope so. I hope it did look at him like that. And, that, and that's, I would imagine why reports surfaced. Tim McMahon was in on this at the end of the year, earlier, a couple of days ago, that, that Luca, Tim McMahon had sources basically saying that if things don't change, and I mean now, so that the Mavericks can compete and show that they've got some sort of sustainability moving into the 23, 24 season that a year from now in the off season of 2024, Luca would request a trade and kind of do what we've seen other superstars do. I got paid. I got my max didn't happen there. I'm out. Cause I want to win a title and you guys aren't doing it.
1: Right, right, right.
0: You know, strum up Katie and the guys in the OKC. I mean, they had Kevin Durant, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And finally got to a point where Kevin Durant looked around and was like, this isn't going to work. And I know that some of the pieces weren't there when he left, but you know, that's how it happens. And like you've talked about, it's a player's league. If Luca looks at this thing and doesn't think he can win, he got paid. I mean, he, he's, he's good money-wise.
1: Dude, he's, he's so paid. Between the Jordan brand and his contract, that's probably $400 million already.
0: Now he wants the ring. Because the ring is a thing, and he's going to look around and say, okay, where can I get one if it's not going to happen here? This is going to be a really weird offseason. Christian Wood's probably gone. Are they going to bring back Kyrie? Does he want to come back? Um, I think they're bringing back Kyrie. And it doesn't matter whether you think it's a good move or a
1: bad move or whatever. I think he's coming back, man, because what does every contract negotiator want? Leverage. With the Mavericks he has incredible leverage. like He can get a two-year deal or a one-year deal from somebody, but he is 30 years old, and to maximize what you want, uh, there's been plenty of reports that he wanted two years, which is what he could get, plus two. Basically, wants a four-year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mavericks can give him that, and I think that they would overpay just so people would not ripped them for what they did this year. And so to me, what I'm saying is he's got so much leverage. I don't know how he cannot get the deal that he wants from Dallas. Now he may decide to go elsewhere, just, you know, and not make as much money, but Dallas, I think has a chance to pay him 50 million a year over four years. And, uh,
0: that's going to be hard to turn down. Yeah. And, and we'll see, are the Mavs going to max that out? Do they want to go that high? Well, see, you, uh, I think they can go higher than that, but you can pay
1: him the $200 million, But here's the deal. Once you do that, bro, you got Luka, you got Kyrie, and you got nobody else.
0: Yeah, Jaden Hardy, you got to figure out a way to use him more. He, they're going to have to use some of their young guys. I mean, that's what it's going to have to be. You, know, Dude, you, you got bitches. stuck with signing McGee, who's stuck here now, and he's nothingness. You know what? I don't like the verb that you use.
1: They went out and got that guy.
0: That's true. I mean? that's
1: true that's true they, they they wanted him they, they chose they went out, him yeah they went out and they signed him for a purpose and after like a week said oh we made a mistake like yep. dude I, why would you think what would make you think he could do what you wanted him to do <laughs> that shit doesn't make it that never made any sense to me he's a one-dimensional spare part he's very good at his one dimension in his prime, he was a legitimate rim protector. But he ain't in his prime no more, man. He's like an old dude for basketball.
0: <sighs> Fucking Mavericks, bro. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's again, it's the most disappointing thing I've ever seen in Dallas sports. It's a joke. It's the worst Mav season of all time. I don't even know what to say about it. It's pathetic. It is pathetic that they allowed this to happen when you have Luka Doncic on your team that's what makes that's what takes it to the height of patheticism I just made up a word
1: um that's what takes it to the height is that you've got one of the top players in the NBA you have no concept of how to build around him just none everything you've done has been a wash in terms of building around him or a crapshoot and at some point he probably will figure out that they can't get it done and while I'm in my prime, uh, got to go, got to go, got to go.
0: It's incredible. It's, it's just, it's unfathomable. I, I, I never, it, again, were they going to win an NBA title with Luka? I, I don't know. I, I believe that they would. It never, ever crossed my mind they would not make the playoffs, ever, with Luka on this team and healthy. Nope. Ever. Nobody's. I mean, that, that, that is, it, it's, it's stunning. It, it, it's, they're not even in the damn play it, It's ridiculous and it is pathetic and it is sorry. And it makes you question this franchise, the ownership, the management group. And it really frightens you that they are going to do what we have seen other franchises do, which is completely waste their opportunity. I mean, the Cowboys are notorious for this completely waste your opportunity with somebody that you have but the cowboys haven't had a guy like luca i mean cowboys never had tom brady right 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 this dude is a generational player and you're gonna waste it
1: they're well on their way to wasting it
0: it's pathetic it's a joke but some positive things around dallas which is great because the rangers they won. And again, by the time you guys listen to this, so Monday night, they're back at home. They got Kansas City. Andrew Heaney, one of their offseason signings, set a club record and tied the American League record by recording nine consecutive outs, all by strikeout. Dude. Which is incredible. And he was dealing, man. Now, he gave up a home run and he wasn't perfect or anything like that but three strikeouts in the first inning the second inning the third inning it wasn't until the top of the fourth when he got a fly ball out i mean he was just he was on it what an what an incredible outing from him and he again you strike out nine guys for nine outs so he was dominant while he was in the game now here's what's funny bro
1: um Number one is I can't figure out how to watch the Texas Rangers in Dallas,
0: which it's, is so bizarre. I, I
1: literally like you can't get the Bally's app and watch them. I know it sounds weird but, and you can't get the MLB app. Uh, and I think they should not, not that they're listening to me, but they should do away with this whole blackout
0: thing, bro. Yeah, it's ridiculous.
1: Um, I mean, it's antiquated. I mean, it's, it made sense, you know, back in the uh, whenever they came up with it, yeah. the 70s or the 60s or whatever. It made sense then. <coughs> It makes no sense now because if you want to go to the game, you're going to go to the game, regardless of if you can watch it on TV or not. Uh, But, you know, it's it's just an antiquated system. So, you know, I I typically use the MLB app and uh, which has improved greatly over the last few years. And so they have these little uh, illustrations that show you pitch by pitch what's going on in the game. And so I was looking at that and I go, okay, so they are up three to one. Uh, and so then I went to the scoring summary. I said, because I'm that kind of guy. I was like, let me see how they got to the three. And I look at Kansas City's first thing. And I see it in strikeout, strikeout in the first inning. And then I'm scrolling down. I said, oh, shit, he struck out the side in the second. Okay. Oh, so your boy, Seeger hit homer. All right, get to the third. What the fuck? He struck yep. out the side again? Yep. And then... I was looking, I said, I was counting in my head. I said, has he got like nine K's already? And that's when I went to the box score. And I think I tweeted it out at that point. Like, what the hell is going on uh, with Heaney? Uh, because he was just that dynamic.
0: Yeah, it was awesome. I, I was watching the game last night because I got the MLB TV thing. So I watched the first several innings. It, 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 he was just dealing man i mean it, 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 he was fantastic and then he ran out of gas a little bit because he did throw a lot of pitches i mean he threw 93 pitches in five innings yeah, really? but he went five full innings only gave up two hits no earned runs walked two and struck out 10 and the bullpen came in and did their thing and the lineup Seeger homered heim honored. And then in the six, they went bonkers, and part of that was because Adelise Garcia hit a grand slam, which was awesome, and that was it. I mean, 11 runs, they went 11-2. to You know, and again, they're 10 games into the season. Six and four, 10 games in, I'm taking it, man. I will take that any day of the week. If you can go six and four every 10 games, you're going to be all right this year.
1: <laughs> no doubt about that, bro. I mean, that's uh, fantastic. But, but you see, the bats have awakened a little bit right now, and so... Um... You know, uh it's the first month. It's baseball, and so it takes a minute to figure out where they're just going to sit. And so, you know, you can't. It's baseball. You can't too, get too high. You can't get too low. You just, you just watch the games. And I know this because I told a friend of mine this yesterday. I don't really care about the wins and the losses. What I know is, if their starting pitching is going to be like this, they're going to be pretty good this year.
0: Yes, that is correct. They will be fantastic, and. Two more against Kansas City this week before the big weekend series against Houston, which will be fun. It's unfortunate because DeGrom goes on Tuesday night, so he won't be pitching against the Astros. So they got three against the Astros this weekend and three against Kansas City on the road next week. But man, I mean, you, you just kind of look at this. If they can, you know, get a couple games here against Kansas City, whole, at least win a game against Houston, because coming up after that, they get Kansas City, Oakland, and Cincinnati in nine games after that. And those three teams, you know, Kansas City's not good. Oakland's horrible. And Cincinnati's not any good. So it gives them a really good chance, like we talked about before the season, to get some momentum here coming out of April, which will be nice. We'll yeah, see. They
1: just they just need to play, you know, man, in baseball, uh, haven't covered it for a long time. You just need to play good baseball. If you pitch good and play good defense, the hitting will do whatever the hitting does but you'll get the wins that you're supposed to win. What you don't want to do is give away games like they did uh, to the Cubs the other day when they had five errors. So if you just play normal defense and pitch good, you're going to be in games and you're going to win more than your fair share of them.
0: The other note before we wrap it up, the Dallas Stars, who have two games left in the regular season, they've already clinched a playoff spot. So unlike the Mavs, they're not wasting Miro and Jason Robinson, Robertson. Excuse me. But when you look at this, It's big because in those two games, after they won their fourth consecutive game the other night against Detroit, they have a chance. If they win one of their final two or Minnesota loses a game, the Stars will clinch home ice in the first round. And they still are very much alive for the divisional title. And if they can lock that up, if they win the division over Colorado, they would play Seattle in the first round and they would have home ice advantage. If they don't, then again, depending if they don't beat out Colorado for the divisional title and Colorado has a game in hand on them, then Dallas would play Minnesota in the first round. And that would be, of course, they would have home ice advantage if they can win one of their final two games. But we've been taught we don't talk about the stars too much, but the reality of it is when playoff hockey gets going, you want to make sure you're watching. And this is a stars team that has a very good chance because they can score and they've got a damn good goalie this is a team that can make a run in the playoffs this year
1: yeah yeah no I'm looking forward to uh, checking them out uh I, I want to see uh you know I I've, I know that uh, Robo has scored a lot of points he scored a lot of goals but um I need to do some reading because I don't know what makes him special do you know what makes him special meaning like Madonna was a great scorer Madonna was a sniper Um, you know, Brendan Morrow was a guy who hung around in front of the net and made you, you know, and deflected a lot of things and got a lot of putbacks. What does Robo do?
0: He's more Madonna. All right, so he's a scorer. Yes, he's he is an elite scorer. He can score from everywhere. He's got a crazy shot. You know, Haskinen's had a phenomenal year. He can score. I mean this this is a this is a team that's got some depth and some ability to score. And they their first line that Robertson is on is just dominant. I mean, it's just it 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 is a problem for anybody. I mean, you're talking about a guy. Robertson has 106 points, 46 goals. You know, Pavelski, 27 goals, Ben, 33, Hints, 36, Sagan, 20. Wyatt Johnson added 21 this year. I mean, they've got some dudes that can put the puck in the net. Just a, about that, bro. It's a fun team, man. It is a fun team. I'll be watching because one thing I like about playoff hockey is all the games are on national television. So I'll be able to watch every single Dallas Stars playoff game. And the lady loves some hockey. She'll get into playoff hockey, which is great
1: uh you know what I just did i just typed in twitter jason robertson goals and looked at video it's like okay that should give me a good sampling of uh, how he scored
0: yep and you'll see a bunch of them from all over the place
1: yeah i'm looking forward to it because you know i got to become an expert you know and for those of y'all who don't know i've covered a bunch of hockey over the years i just haven't followed the stars lately
0: well you're in for a treat
1: yeah because they weren't really all that good now they're good again so now it's time for me to be a bandwagon they're a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. That's the podcast, my friends. Everybody have a fun couple of days. We'll be back for you before the end of the week. Enjoy it. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, You can also find us on Twitter at McMattRadio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas.